I do want to encourage you too, there are, um, you know, different campuses are doing different things on different times. So I know that Botany's doing a Christmas production. So you can go on the website, find out what's happening across our campuses, and you can kind of get around and, and enjoy a real, a real Christmas festive fair across all of our campuses, which is fantastic. As you know, as Steve said, we've got, and as Liz said, we've got a, our carol service on Christmas Eve, which will be a heap of fun. And then for those people who want to, uh, we're going to wander down to Franklin Road and look at the lights. And then Christmas Day and New Year's Day, we just have one service, just at 10 a.m. That's all, just uh, gathering all the family together. And then from the 7th, oh, sorry, the 8th of January, we're back into two services. So that'll be a bit of fun. Well, it's great to be here. Remembrance Sunday is a very special Sunday in the life of our church, if you haven't been here before for one of these. But it's part of our Christmas series. And as we come up to Christmas, it's so good for us to look at the Christmas story, to, to see what happened and to see what we can learn from this. You know, the Bible says that everything that was written in the past was written to teach us. And so not only is this an important, incredibly powerful historical event, but there's so much we can take from this so that we can live the way God intends us to live in this kingdom life today, and we can learn some of those things through the story today. I'm going to jump straight into the scripture and read a part of the passage. We've looked at this in various forms in the last few weeks, and of course we'll look at this probably again on Christmas Day, again looking at a different perspective. But today let me jump into this and read from Luke chapter 2, verses 1 to 16. In those days, Caesar Augustus, issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. Uh, the journey was about 150 kilometers so doing 150 kilometers on donkey back or walking, that is quite a significant journey. So Joseph went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and, scandal of scandals, was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son, and she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available to them, or there was no room at the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger in an animal's feeding trough of all things. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. And when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And so they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And this is such an interesting story, right? 
Because here we are, we find ourselves again at Christmas. It's Christmas time. And what does that song say? It's the hap- happiest time of the year. Thank you very much. You can buy tickets to my show at the door. No. Um, but it's funny, right? Because it's the happiest time of the year. But look, honestly, if, we, if we're going to be honest, who knows that Christmas oftentimes is not the happiest time of the year. I mean, it can be a bit of chaos, right? It, it really can. I, I, love, I, do, I am a bit of a fan of YouTube, I have to say, because I find that YouTube is a video record of all the things that happen to other people that we thought only happened to us. So it's profoundly validating, I think, sometimes to see other idiots out there having terrible experiences. And boy, there's plenty of stuff out there about Christmas, right? Videos of cats pulling down Christmas trees, dogs eating boxes of gift chocolates, people falling off ladders trying to put their Christmas lights up, hams and chickens and turkeys burnt beyond recognition, relatives that are starting fights, mother-in-laws taking over the kitchen, People getting injured by exploding Christian gifts. That's worth looking at. And family feuds that get completely out of hand. I mean, the truth is, is that sometimes, if we're really honest, the Christmas season isn't always the happy season. I remember one Christmas day. It was around 1 a.m. 1 a.m. on Christmas day. And I am up having, I'm shouting at a bunch of relatives who are staying with us who are completely drunk and arguing loudly with one another. And I'm telling them to get themselves the heck to bed because they are not going to ruin my kids' Christmas morning. I can tell you, it was not a silent night that night. It was not a particularly holy night, and there was not too much goodwill among men the next morning at breakfast, I promise you. But like that happens, right? I remember another Christmas morning. uh, It began about 4 a.m., 4 a.m. when our wonderful eldest daughter, Ellie, at five years old, decided to have a major asthma attack. And we're racing into hospital and spent like, you know, all of Christmas morning sitting in the emergency room with poor little Ellie on a nebulizer trying to get her breathing back together. Another Christmas morning, uh, after the kids had opened their presents, uh, one of the kids got a skateboard. And so Kate, being our crazy little adventurer, decided she was going to go down the hill outside our house and uh, a few minutes later, uh, we found her crying on the road, and she had somehow got her hands caught in one of the wheels, and it had ripped one of her fingernails completely off. I mean, blood everywhere. Christmas morning, we've got people coming for lunch, and I'm sitting in the emergency room with blood hosing out of Katie's finger, holding her nail, hoping she's wanting it reattached. I'm like, I don't think they can do that. I think it's a bit late. So this was our Christmas morning. And here's the thing. I know you all have stories like that of things that haven't quite gone according to plan, of things that were just a little bit crazy. Now, what the interesting thing is, is that if we read the Christmas story right, we find that the first Christmas day was not that dissimilar. It was a day marked, strangely enough, by things that many of us have probably experienced. For example, a long journey. Hands up if you've had a long journey on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. Anyone? Help me, yeah, a few of us have. How about accommodation that didn't quite work out? Like the silent night is not because there's anything holy, it's just because the wife won't talk to you because you messed up, right? That's what that is. Family, maybe, that couldn't be relied upon on Christmas Day. Maybe some slightly unusual people who turned up unannounced that threw things into chaos. Or some people who sadly were conspicuously absent. People who maybe who who could have been there or should have been there but weren't, or people who had died and passed on. Family, parents, loved ones. 
and, and this is important for us to realize. This is what Mary and Joseph experienced. Isn't it interesting that on this day when we celebrate the birth of Jesus, we've got a young couple, probably in their late teens, and there's no family there. Family are conspicuously absent, and I'm sure there's a bunch of reasons for that. But I, I'm also sure that it means that Christmas, that first Christmas for them, was not only a time for joy, but also a time of exhaustion, disappointment, anxiety, frustration, grief, and loss. And maybe sometimes our Christmases then are not too far from what Jesus and his family experienced. And I'm sure that all of us coming into the Christmas season, like Mary, have certain expectations of what Christmas is going to be like and how it's going to roll. But expectations of perfection usually end in disappointment. And I want to suggest this morning, I think we need a different approach to Christmas and to this season. You see, in popular culture, right, Christmas has become the time of the year that is all about perfection. I mean, if you listen to enough Christmas carols or watch enough Christmas movies, it's all about the perfect Christmas morning with perfectly behaved kids who are all just so grateful for the gifts that they have received. A house that is perfectly decorated, perfectly clean and tidy, so that when people come, it is a perfectly delightful experience. And there are grateful guests. And, and not only that, but there is a perfect clean-up afterwards, which happens effortlessly, and everyone helps so that the person who has been cooking can actually sit and relax. Doesn't it happen in all of our homes every Christmas? Yeah. And, and the thing about it is, it, it's never perfect, right? Christmas is never perfect. It's, it's because it's, it's run by people, a whole bunch of imperfect people, and you're pulling all sorts of people together on that day. I tell you what, the stress and pressure of Christmas, I think, sometimes is enough for us just to want to, let's rip that tree down the next day and let's get back to normal life. I think sometimes there's stress and pressure that can lead us to just want to have, just want to have Christmas behind us. And so what's God's answer to all this? Because I think that God always has answers for everything that we struggle with in the human condition. And I think that God's answer to the perfectionism that Christmas has become is his peace. So I want to talk for a moment this morning about peace. What is peace and where do we get it? Well, the word peace in the Bible, uh, in the New Testament around the Christmas time, according to the Greek lexicon, is translated, sorry, means this. Peace is a calmness of soul. I love that. It's a calmness of soul. Assured of its salvation through Christ, fearing nothing from God, and content with its earthly circumstances. What a great definition, right? It's a calmness of soul, assured of its salvation through Christ, fearing nothing from God, and content with its earthly circumstances. And peace is available to us from God right now. So let me just quickly look at those three aspects. You see, peace is a calmness of soul that firstly offers us a bigger perspective. That at the end of the day, I'm saved and going to heaven, and if things don't go according to plan, it's okay, because ultimately there is a bigger picture here. Peace says that in the big scheme of things, if the dishes don't get done until later, it's going to be just fine. Secondly, Peace offers us a reminder 
that God is my friend. Gosh, I think this is so important for us. That God is my friend and he's not judging me. And in fact, based on the story of Martha and Mary, Mary, he's probably very happy about you taking a break, sitting down watching a Christmas movie, spending a little bit of time with the grandkids or with the family. Peace says that God is here and God gets it and it's okay. And then thirdly, this peace offers us an acceptance of circumstances that can never be fully controlled, right? No matter how organized you are, something will not go according to plan. Peace says, it's okay. Roll with it. At the end of the day, it's about Jesus and people, really not a whole lot else. And I think it's interesting, the place of peace and the priority of peace in the Christmas story, we can often miss that. We heard about this earlier. It tells us that these angels appeared. Now, you got to think about this, right? This is, like in terms of heaven's marketing plan, aside from all the pre-stuff done through the prophets like, you know, a thousand years before, this is the big announcement. Like, this is it. Like, the Messiah that Israel has been waiting for for thousands of years has finally arrived. Jesus has come to earth. Everything's going to change now. And the angels are sent from heaven, and they're giving the proclamation. Like, this is the first big announcement. This is the, you know, news flash. And what do they say? It's interesting. They say this. It says that they see glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. The culmination of this extraordinary event, this God coming to earth, this long-awaited Messiah, is two things. Firstly, something that's going on in heaven, and then something that's going on on earth. This is what the angels are saying. Firstly, what's going on in heaven? Glory to God. That's what's happening. And absolutely, He has done this. All glory to Him. He made the way. It was His initiative. God gave His Son for us. He came down. He did this. All credit, all glory, all power, all gratitude to Him. It's only because that He did that that anyone can be saved. For sin that can, can be atoned for, for death to be overcome, it's only through that. So absolutely, who gets the credit? It's in heaven. It's to God. But the second thing they say is this about something on earth. And the thing that God announces about Jesus coming that impacts on earth is this, is that it's peace. Peace is available to those on whom his favor rests. Specifically, that means that peace is available to those who are his through faith. Those of us who put our faith in Christ, peace is available to us. Peace that transcends the circumstances, peace that transcends our experiences even. This is hugely important because this tells us that God's desire is that in Jesus' coming to earth, our predominant and priority state of being should be peace. God wants us to live in peace. God wants us to live at peace. God wants us to lean into peace. God doesn't want us chasing perfectionism. He doesn't want us stressed. He doesn't want us in chaos. He wants his church to be people with a deep calmness of soul. We're not rattled by circumstances outside of their control. And this is important because, you see, the devil's agenda is exactly the opposite, right? Lack of peace, stress, fear, anxiety, frustration, anger, irritation, disappointment, anything 
but having people at peace, and anything but having God's people at peace. Now, can I suggest to you this, this morning that actually God's will above all else for us at Christmas time is that we be at peace. We be at peace for ourselves. We be at peace for our family. We be at peace for those around about us. There's something powerful about a person who carries peace. And, and, and it's important for us to take note of the fact that the first Christmas is, is so not perfect, right? It is so not perfect. It, it, it's, it's not going to fit within the classic Hollywood movie theme about what a perfect Christmas is. It's just not that at all. It's not Silent Night. It's not Holy Night. There's a whole lot not going to plan. Along with the birth of a baby, there's also exhaustion, as I mentioned earlier. There's disappointment. There's chaos and sadness. And in that, God says, peace for you. Peace for you. Be at peace. Believe it. Receive it. So what does that mean? You know, over many years, uh, my son uh, enjoys playing video games. And when, we, when he was little, I used to play with him because I could beat him. But then, then I couldn't beat him anymore. And it just became horrendously embarrassing. Like if we face one of the, you know, play one of those games where I'm, gonna, I'm trying to sh- hunt him and shoot him and he's trying to hunt and shoot me, I would play for a quarter of an hour, could never find him, and then I'd turn around and he's been right behind me the whole time. And then I'd turn around and he shoots me and I die. And that just repeats like 15 times. And he's having a ball. And I'm now actually wanting to kill somebody. Very stressful. But for those of you who have played some games like that, some video games, um, particularly kind of shooting games, one of the things you realize quickly is that in many of these games, you kind of collect weapons as you go. You, you come across them, you click on them, you receive them into your arsenal, and then they're available to you, and they'll often sit like in the corner of your screen or something. Uh, and, and that's what happens. Then when you need them, when you actually are in a tight spot, what you do is you choose it, you choose that weapon, and then you use that weapon. Can I suggest to you that peace is like that? Peace is yours, whether you realize it or not. Peace is sitting in a corner of your heart. It's there. God's made it available. Make no mistake. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to get so many points to get it. God's peace is available to you. Sometimes you've just got to choose it and use it. Remember what Jesus said to Mary when Martha was stressed. They had a bunch of people over. Sounds like Christmas Day. Had a bunch of people over. There were a million things to get done. Martha's trying to please everyone. And she comes and complains to Jesus because Mary just kind of took herself off and just kind of sat down and, and hung out with Jesus. You know what Jesus said in Luke ten forty two? He said, Mary has chosen what is better. Mary has chosen what is better. And it won't be taken away from her. Maybe this Christmas... We need to actually choose peace. It's there for you. Instead of waiting for it to magically come upon you, why don't we choose it? Realize that it's already within us. Choose a calmness of soul. And in that place, allow God to work through us. We'll get the team to come now as we come to a conclusion this morning. But I want to give you quickly three applications of this idea of the peace of God, that God has made such a priority for us of for us at Christmas time. First one is this. Can I say, be at peace when things aren't what you'd hoped. 
be at peace when things aren't what you hoped. You look at the Christmas story, long journey, accommodation full, no vacancy, baby coming. Jesus not laid in the beautiful little crib that they bought from somewhere and it's all perfectly clean and gorgeous. He was laid in the dirty old feeding trough, just wrapped up in some cloths to keep him comfortable. I mean, you know, things I'm sure were not what they had hoped. This was not what Mary had hoped and I'm sure it's not what Jesus had hoped. And in that, it's okay. Be at peace. Secondly, be at peace when things take an unexpected turn. You know, I mean, Joseph and Mary, they finally got through this whole traumatic birth thing without anyone there to support them. And then a bunch of stinky farmers turn up, yelling and carrying on. And it must have been, it must have been most unexpected and a little bit disconcerting. Like, how did you even find us? What's going on? And then they tell them stories of angels in the sky singing all these amazing things. If I was Joseph Muir, I'd been going, what? Angels for these guys? How about us? Like, we're the ones with the baby. How come there's like, you know, like someone visiting us to say, hey, like, you know, a little bit of almost missing out there. It's actually a little bit disappointing. And the peace of God is for that as well. When things take an unexpected turn, when things don't quite go the way you'd hoped that they would, it's okay. Be at peace. And then thirdly, when you are facing or feeling loss, be at peace. What must it have been like for Mary? Well, was maybe 16, maybe 17. What must it have been like for her to give birth to her first child and her mum's not there? Her dad's not there. There's no family coming around and bringing gifts and little booties and jerseys and hats, which are way too hot ever to put on a child. Like, there's, there's, no one, there's no one doing that. It must have been a real sense of loss for her. What about for Joseph? He, remember, he's gone to his hometown, remember? His hometown. And yet we can only surmise because of the stigma with Mary being pregnant. Maybe there was backlash from his family, but his family wasn't there either at the birth of their child. Sadness. Grief. And some of us know what that's like. Some of us have lost very important and special people this year. We know what that feels like. And God says, when you're facing loss, it's okay. Be at peace. You know, the way to handle loss, this is so interesting. Research tells us is not just to ignore it. Not just to ignore the pain. But research shows that there are two very important things that work together that in the grief process help with healing. One of those things is getting on with life. Keeping on going, going to the supermarket, doing the things that we do. But the second thing is regularly stopping and remembering. And it's the, it's the two of those things. It's the getting on with life, but also not being afraid to stop and remember and shed some tears and then getting on with life again and then, and then stopping again and pausing and grieving and feeling that. And, and that as those two things happen, healing occurs. Both of those are important. And so this morning, Remembrance Service, Remembrance Sunday, we want to take a little bit of time for that second part. 
Because certainly in Western culture, we don't do that super well. Lots of other cultures, so much smarter than us when it comes to that. But for us, we think it's important for us to take a moment and let's lean into that. Let's allow God's peace and God's healing to come. Maybe in your Christmas this year, something or someone will be missing. Maybe this year you have faced loss and pain. Or maybe every Christmas you are confronted by the fact that something or someone that you love is no longer with you. It's healing for us today to stop and pause and remember and be at peace. As the team play, we've got some beautiful, beautiful roses down the back of the auditorium. And for those of you who have been here for a moment Sunday before, you know how this works. But as the team come, we'd like to offer you an opportunity to pause and remember, to heal and be at peace by going down the back and selecting a rose and by coming and placing it on the stage here. This morning, our stage will be an altar of remembrance, a place where you can symbolically lay down and remember what you have lost and entrust it and trust them into the Lord's hands. And then take a moment and choose that peace that is available to you. Lean into that in faith before returning to your seat and allow God to take you another step on your healing journey this morning. It's Christmas and God wants nothing more than for us to be at peace this season. Amen. We'll get to our feet. I'm just going to pray. Jesus, thank you, Lord, for this wonderful, wonderful time that we've had. Thank you, God, for your declaration, Lord, that in all things and above all things in this season, God, you want us on earth to be at peace, Lord. Your peace heals us. Your peace fills us. Your peace is what flows out of us and is such a witness to this world. I pray this morning, Lord, that this stage will be an altar of remembrance. And I pray for every person, Lord, who is carrying and remembering something or someone lost. I pray, God, as they lay that rose down, entrusting them symbolically to your wonderful, everlasting care. I pray, God, you'll fill us with your peace. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to take a few moments as the band, as the team sing. If you'd like to do that this morning, you go grab one of those now. Lay it across the altar, and then Rick will come up at the end of the song and we'll close. Let's take a moment. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace.